Hello and welcome to the Brave Marketing Podcast with your host Swapna Thomas. This is the podcast for the renegades, the trailblazing leaders and the change makers who don't just have a business, it's your calling. Those of you who want to make a difference and make money but all on your own terms. I'm on a mission to show as many life coaches as possible how you can have more income, more impact and infinitely more fun by being unapologetically and bravely you and breaking all the rules. I have created five figure months with no paid ads, a tiny list and zero complicated sales funnels. Simplifying marketing and teaching you how to use it for good in the world is my zone of genius. With this podcast, I'm here to share weekly episodes on the soul and the strategy of marketing, mindset, money and everything online business. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Brave Marketing Podcast. And today I have someone very, very special to me on the podcast as a guest. And I cannot wait to introduce all of you to her. But before that, I just want to repeat my disclaimer from last week because both of those episodes were recorded back to back. I still have a very bad throat. I still sound very nasally and croaky, <laughs> or in my mind, it's husky and sultry. But um, we are going to keep going because this podcast is about being brave in your marketing. And one of the things that comes with being brave in your marketing is being imperfect and being a real human being. So that's what I'm going for here today. So please bear with my my sound and my uh, noise is what I wanted to say because it does seem like an, uh, a bit of a noise at times. But you're not going to pay a lot of attention to my sound or um, my, uh, you know, nasally voice right now because we have someone very, very special on the podcast. And I am so thrilled to introduce all of you to Lisa Jane. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Swapna. Your voice sounds delightful. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel very honoured to be introduced as someone special to you. Oh, absolutely. So for those of you who don't know about Lisa, I think everyone should know her, but she is a transformational copywriter and a soul-infused social media marketing strategist for coaches. That sounds delicious. That sounds like the best blend of coffee ever. <laughs> but that's not all. I, I did a little bit of digging and she has this whole diverse uh, experience as an entrepreneur where you, she has been a facilitator of authentic dating and connection events. She's been a serial assistant and participant in transformational person, personal development spaces, event manager, a publication of poetry, activist projects for human and child's rights, creative writing facilitator. And I'm sure there are a couple more things she's added since I last saw this. So welcome, Lisa. How do you do it all? That's my first question. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Swapna, what it's so lovely to be to have someone dig deeper into your background. <laughs> Thank you. I feel very um feel very seen. Um, how do I do it all? That is such an interesting question. Um 
Look, I, I've always been a very multi-passionate person. I've been one of those people my whole life who is planning out three possible realities. And, you know, there was literally a time in my life where I was like, maybe I can study three degrees at once at, from three different universities, you know. Um, so I've, I've always had that kind of multi-passionate nature. And I think um, personal development is really the reason I can do it all. You know, I've, I've um, over the past five years, consciously put myself in training and personal development spaces that is constantly asking us as humans, like, what more can we do? How can we achieve our potential? Um, how can we kind of rise above our human uh, limitations and, and really excel and do the impossible? And I feel like you know, it's through these trainings and these personal development events that I have built this capacity to to be able to do a lot of different things um, and and kind of, yes, yeah, set up a business that allows me to utilise these lots of the, these different um, parts of my life and lots of different things that I've learned. So I have to give a lot of it to personal development work that I've done. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And and that is the beauty of doing this sometimes difficult work, right? Uh, inner work is not always a cake in the, um, it's not a cake walk. It's not a walk in the park. It is messy. It is um, coming to terms with a lot of stuff that you've just never taken a look at, but it's so worth it because it allows you to really um, journey into all of your potential and all of your desires and truly become the human being that you have always wanted to be. So you're such an amazing example of that for anyone else who wants to expand their, you know, potential and who want to see what else is possible, what else is out there for us. So thank you for sharing a little bit of that. Um, so Lisa, Tell us a little bit about how you started your online business because I know your journey and I know that um, you were into teaching before you started your online business, right? And you you had a, a lot of experience teaching in universities on subjects like English, media, psychology, and research skills. So how did you, first of all, start your online business and were you able to integrate, and I, I know you were able to integrate these skills, but how were you able to do that? Because I truly believe that everything fits with everything. Anything that you learn never goes waste. But how did you find, um, how easy was it to integrate these skills within your current business? And how did you go about it? Oh, what a delicious question, Swap. <laughs> um, and I know you also have a lot of experience in integrating skills from a past career into entrepreneurship. So I love, you know, that you're asking me to consciously think about this because often we do things without even realizing that we're doing it. So yeah, it's really cool to have this opportunity to think about that. Um, so yeah, in line with my multi-passionate nature, you know, I've, I've studied a couple of different things at uni, like I've studied psychology and teaching and English literature and media um, and more recently counselling. And I guess what this really, um, you know, taught me in many ways is how to be good with people, um, how to feel confident facilitating a space, how to be confident working with people. And I guess my 
role as a teacher really helped me to to learn how to present confidently when I'm speaking to a group, you know, which wasn't the case when I started. I I was you know, so nervous when I first started my career as a teacher. I was 18 in front of my first class, you know, in my prac, and I had to push through so many nerves and and um, I really had to develop those skills. And, you know, I, I always sensed that, you know, because back then I feel like I, I always kind of chose um, teaching because I loved learning. And it became really the only clear path for someone who loved learning and loved people. So I thought, okay, I'll do that. And then eventually I thought, you know what, I'm going to just um, work a couple of days a week and study psychology. So then I did that. And that I think really helped me understand the depths of human psychology. And, you know, if you were to ask me why I have an understanding of marketing, um, a lot of it goes back to psychology and, you know, the, the, the things that I learn about what humans need and desire because essentially marketing is about what humans need and desire and, you know, how to position things in a way that they feel motivated, you know. So psychology is very much linked to motivation and, and human motivation. So I, I think that my teaching is very much um, my my probably my public speaking skills, my ability to facilitate spaces confidently. You know, the psychology aspect is is more the understanding of humans and their psychology and their motivations, and you know, the way that positioning things in a certain way will affect them, and and all of that. And then obviously media, uh, which was something I I kind of just fell into because I I was given the opportunity to teach it and I I thought okay well I'm gonna I'm gonna also study it as well like um because I was really keen to to do a good job of teaching it um so I kind of put myself on that path and you know what I learned was not only that I I had probably because of psychology a bit of a natural aptitude for media creative entrepreneurship social media what I learned really was the branding aspect of things, you know, what branding is, what the power of it is, what entrepreneurship is. I think it helped me build the theory um, understanding of the entrepreneurial mindset that, you know, um, gives me so much confidence when I'm making decisions in my business. Um, and I think also supports me to kind of cultivate that entrepreneurial mindset in my clients as well. Um so, yeah, that's, I guess, you know, in a way that's why I think I've, I've kind of titled myself more as a, a, a transformational copywriter because I, I notice that it's not just copywriting that I'm doing. I'm at, there's mindset stuff happening as well. So all of that kind of goes in and then I will get to how I started my business, but I do feel like this is an important preamble. And then the counselling aspect, you know, I started a Masters of Counselling the year before I started my business and I think that actually really gave me the skills to sit one-to-one with people and encourage a space of vulnerability and openness and connection and rapport, which is essential, I think, for, you know, long-term client retention, you know, to be able to connect with anyone at any time and just to feel comfortable in my own my own compass as well. You know, I, it was a really great course that helped me do that. So I feel that these are the things that led me to, yeah, they, they led me to, I guess, especially my academic skills led me to being recognised as a writer amongst my peers and, um, you know, my 
my entrepreneurial side, which was exercised through the speed dating events that I'd run because I love, you know, connecting and, and things like that. You know, people started approaching me and saying, Lisa, can you help me with this uh, event description? Or Lisa, can you help me with this bio or this website copy? And, you know, I used to kind of do it as a favor for people or, you know, sometimes I would just like just do it as a quick thing, you know, like I didn't see it as a career path at all. But it, it was kind of over the years of people constantly kind of referring to me as a writer and asking for my support, you know, saying that they were willing to pay me to support them to set up social media accounts. I thought to myself, okay, this is interesting that people keep coming to me for this, you know. And then it, it kind of became this thing, and this is why I'm such an advocate for celebrating the small wins because, a couple of times I posted, yeah, I've got, you know, I've got two clients, I've got three clients. And all of a sudden, within a few weeks, I had more and more people reaching out to me. I'd decided to go all in, set up my website, launched it officially, did a bit of research of, of like what the market prices were. And, you know, within a couple of months, I was booked out because, you know, it, it was just working and people seemed to be sitting there waiting for it, you know. So it, it was a very organic kind of um, experience that was quite, quite amazing, really, when I think about it. And there's so much to unpack here. First of all, I think like you and I have such similar journey in terms of, you know, I also had these clues along my journey. Like I loved writing. Um, when I did my MBA, the only subjects that I was interested in were all related to media. So advertising, uh, psychology, like all of those things, which were about human beings, that were the ones that interested me as well. But I still thought like, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an MBA. I'm going to be a corporate honcho, <laughs> but that was not my path, obviously. And you have these clues along the way, but you never really pay attention to them. And until one day, it just becomes like so obvious. But in my case, it was more of an accident because I started a, a mom blog when I was a stay-at-home mom. And again, just like you, um, when I started growing my blog, people would keep asking me, what are you doing? How are you doing this? How are you getting brand um, you know, collaborations when you don't have a very big audience? You don't have that big many followers on social media, but I was getting the cream of brands approaching me. So I would teach them, you know, this is because I'm, my positioning is very different. This is how I position myself. So I put together, I remember I put together a course for my fellow bloggers. And um, I think I charged around maybe $20 for that or something. But it was more, it was not about money at all. It was more about, oh my God, someone wants to learn this from me. I cannot, yeah. Of, of course, like I would teach this, you know, and it felt so easy and it felt so just my zone that I loved it. And that's when I got introduced to the coaching industry and it felt like I'm home. This is where I'm meant to be. And and I think sometimes um, as we go along our journey, we lose that naive sense of achievement that we get right from those early wins like that first client that first win that first celebration we forget that how how amazing that was it it was never about the money but it was about wow someone wants to pay me for this 
I get to talk and get paid for that. <laughs> I can't believe it. So I, I love that. And I also like one, one more thing that I want to highlight in your journey is that people overcomplicate getting clients so much. And I always tell people there are five to 10 clients in your network right now. I don't care what you do. I don't care what you're trying to sell, but there are always five to 10 people, especially if you're a um, a coach or a service-based business. There are five to 10 people in your immediate network who will work with you and you don't really have to set up a whole website or a social media page and all for that, but you just need to start talking about what you do. And you're such a beautiful example of that. Oh, thank you so much. It's it's so funny. I I also say like, you know, it only takes 10 people to have a fully booked out business, you know, like sometimes I think, you know, people get really worked up about, you know, have to have a million followers and I have to do this and I have to have this. And it's like, I mean, I'm sure there are lots of different factors. Like, yes, there is expertise. Yes, there is competency. Yes, there is, you know, skill. And also there's some level of soul as well, like, you know, in alignment with our purpose and what we're supposed to be doing. And the thing is, though, like you say, there are five to 10 people just, and the thing is that they're probably not the people we expect them to be. And this is where we have to let go a little bit. And that's why, you know, it is important to show up and share on social media because we can't always know who needs us. We can't always know who's ready for us. And that's actually not our job to. It's our job to share where we're at and what's true and what our skills are so people can select us. (laughs) That's how I feel anyway. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I think assuming anything about your clients is a very dangerous path. Assuming what they will pay for um, and what, how much will they pay for it? Never make those assumptions about your audience. Uh, That's not in your control. You just stay true to your message and whatever you want to charge, right? Uh, But like, but I love the fact that you also researched market prices and priced accordingly, which is a very smart move. move. And I think not everyone talks about it because it's more like charge what you're worth. But I think we are all priceless. You know, our worth cannot be measured in dollars anyway. So create a more, (laughs) I feel like a more um, soul and strategy based approach. So it should be according to what the market rates are but also then you bring in your desire so how much do you want to charge it might be more than the market price it might be less than the market price sometimes but you know create your own pricing formula rather than just looking at what everyone else is doing so let's go back to what you really do which is spiritual copywriting and I don't know if a lot of people have heard of this term Um, so Talk a little bit about what is spiritual copywriting and then how is it different from the other styles of copywriting out there? And then what do you think is the evolution of copy in the next few years? Because I think copy has undergone a huge change in the last decade or so from the time of those um, you know, yellow highlighted pages. It, all of us remember those ugly sales pages with yellow highlights, like oh, hurry, it's running out. Mm-hmm. 10 copies left of this digital ebook. Yeah. <laughs> which made no sense, right? Yeah. <laughs> and from there, we have made a lot of changes in the copywriting industry. But um, I would love to know what's your take on what's next 
But before that, yeah, definitely talk about what is spiritual copywriting. I actually love the term spiritual copywriting and I feel really excited to have it reflected back to me and to kind of own it and be like, yeah, that's what I do. I do spiritual copywriting because, you know, I've definitely owned the transformational aspect of it, but I haven't necessarily owned the spiritual, um, even though a lot of my message, you know, even my business name is sacred social media. Like obviously there's something spiritual happening there. Um, but it's, it's not the first thing I lead with necessarily. However, that's what it is. And it's not something that I learned anywhere. I didn't learn it in any course or any book. I didn't, you know, it's like, I didn't, I legitimately had no idea what copywriting was. (laughs) Um, I think it's more that I, I just, I have learnt um, by being in, in transformational spaces, I have learnt the mindset of what it takes to enrol people in your vision and to paint possibility. And, you know, I, bet, I guess my writing has just translated that. And why is it called spiritual copywriting? Well, because it's about, it's about translating your I guess your sole purpose, you know, to the world, like it's, it's not about just choosing a business and doing a business from a place of, you know, how can I make the most profit or, or, you know, what does the market need or what's this? It's like, it's actually taking a step back and and going back to our, almost our spiritual purpose and saying, you know, if I like, what's my legacy? Like, what do I want to bring more of to the world? How do I want to help heal the world? What do I want to contribute to the world? you know, from, from that kind of spiritual place. And, you know, I think the reason it's, it's also spiritual is because I, I really believe in copywriting that is actually devoid or, or removed from ego, you know? So it, it's not actually just like, how can I make myself as important as possible? How can I, you know, manipulate people to, think that I'm awesome and want to buy my things um how can I post in a way that I get validation from my personality from my ego it's actually it's actually more than that you know what I believe is and and this is quite spiritual I guess so you know some people might it might sound like they've never heard anything like this before but I do believe that you know I do believe in one consciousness I do believe in the world being very deeply connected and that we all share have a shared consciousness and that if we are able to, you know, move to enlightened states, um, you know, through meditation or through our practices um, or, you know, whatever our practices are to get to that, to that depth of understanding, you know, we can actually tap into not just our, our own intuition, but, but deep collective wisdom, you know, and, and, and I do believe that when you're operating from this place, it's not that you have to think like, what kind of copywriting should I do today? What kind of content should I write? It's like, if you can actually get all the, the noise out of the way and you can dip into your purpose, you can dip into um, the stillness of yourself, then it will be revealed to you. You know, you will, you will have a message because it will, you know, it, it, and this is, I guess, where the magic comes in, but it, it's like we all have access to deeper wisdom from our higher self, you know, that part of us that is, is you know, some people, I guess, call it God, some people call it the universe, some people call it consciousness, but it's, 
that part of us that is divine and is yearning to bring good things to the world. And, you know, I, I guess I just have this belief that the world is conspiring to be whole and, and healed and complete. And if we just can get ourselves out of the way a little bit and our egos out of the way, then, then we can just follow those nudges and follow that intuition. And, and if we are, you know, able to write from that place, into a clear intention you know it will be very powerful and you know people will feel touched and moved and inspired and they will feel you know they'll feel a pull to this to this vision that we're creating that isn't it's like their soul knows something like that it's going to get greater expansion or it's going to be able to reach self-actualization by following a certain, you know, the path that we're laying out if, you know, and it's maybe not for everybody, but for the right people at the right time when they're ready for that next evolution um, to become more of themselves, their authentic self, to live out more of their purpose, um, which is, yeah, very different to, I guess, the old way of marketing or copywriting, which I guess is, you know, how can we aggravate people's pain points how can we like sell them our vision of the world so that they feel they need things that they don't need how can we encourage the consumer mindset you know these things that I feel aren't necessarily always ethical or caring about the human on the other on the other side whereas I, I feel spiritual copywriting is actually calling people into something that is good for them and it's encouraging them to be empowered and to make a choice from an empowered place of being informed, you know, of having complete like agency and autonomy and confidence. And like, it's an empowered process. They're choosing from a place of feeling empowered rather than I, I'm incomplete and I need this thing to, to solve me or fix me, you know? So yeah, I, I guess that's, that's why I see it as spiritual copywriting. Um, and to answer your question of, you know, where do I think copy is going? I do think that more and more people are um, getting clued on to the fact that like marketing can feel quite manipulative and, you know, people's nervous systems are, are getting more attuned to like shutting down to things that feel like manipulation. And so businesses will need to adapt and they, will need to um they will need to adopt this more empowered way of copywriting um and marketing that is is bringing people into a vision that is inspiring um and not just making people feel like they're not good enough <laughs> and that they need a product to fix them um and you know i think if you look at you look at even just mainstream marketing through visuals like with apple you know they their products and their images are very much about like how the technology and how the products can bring people together can facilitate connection can can give people what they actually want as opposed to like trying to feed them a vision of something they don't want you know it's i think it's very different when you're like okay what do humans really want and how can i really help them meet that need in a genuine way as opposed to like my own needs and my own vision and forcing it onto people and telling them that they should need this thing 
I absolutely am I'm on board 100% with you, with everything that you just said. And when it comes to what I do and my take on marketing is that you you got to use marketing for good. Uh, it's just another tool, right? You can, like money, you can use it for um, greed and all the selfish reasons, but you can also use it for so much good in the world. And I feel the same way about marketing, that it can do so much good in the world when used the right way. And I feel spiritual copywriting is a part of how you use that for good. And I always tell my clients that step into your higher self and speak to the higher self of your clients, because there is no ego there. There is no fake sense of urgency there. There is no reason to poke into their pains because they want it. They are craving for exactly what you're selling. So when you're speaking to that part of them, you don't need to do all of these bells and whistles that the marketing industry teaches you that you need, right? Like poking into their pains or aggravating their pains. And I heard someone saying twisting the knife so that they really feel that pain. Like you don't need to do any of that stuff because your clients already want that transformation. They are actively looking to change. So speak to that part of them, speak to that part of them, which is, which is a little bit scared maybe, but it still wants desires this change it knows that this is where I'm going and I think that spiritual copywriting uh, when it comes from that space of no ego and stepping into your higher self where you don't need to prove anything to anyone you don't need to validate anything to anyone you're speaking literally your heart out it just connects with people and it might not you know always um, follow all the copywriting rules per se it might not always follow that structure that copywriters talk about or hitting all the points, but I think it just speaks to the soul because it's coming from the soul, right? So even though it might not be perfect in the copywriting um, lingo or the, the format that we are told that this is how you should write copy, but it still converts because it's speaking to that part of people which is who are taking decisions from uh, a space of not a space of lack but rather a space of desire which i think is what we all want right at the end of the day i don't want to work with people who are coming to work with me because they are in a space of lack or they are triggered or they are worried about their next you know client or well, how am i going to do this i want to work with people who are excited who are thinking how how can I do this like I'm, I'm so excited to do this just teach me you know what 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 can I do so that energy is completely different and I think more and more people post pandemic are tuned into that energy they want they're craving that energy more than just like getting dollars somehow in your pocket um, they want to actually experience real transformation in people and also, you mentioned about the nervous system. I think more, many of us are becoming more and more aware of our nervous system. We Not a lot of people used to talk about what copy does to your nervous system, right? It can easily put it into flight-fight mode um, when used effectively. Yeah, traumatizing people, literally. And so much of copy has been um, micro-traumatizing people for a very long time. So I think... That I don't think people want any part of that anymore. 
uh, and more and more and more people are consciously choosing to walk away from that and just talking to people like a normal human being would right why not do that let's make things simple and i and i think that's that's what spiritual copywriting represents to me it's so much more simpler like yes it might be layered and nuanced and complex in some ways but at, at the heart of it it is simple because you're speaking from your soul yes swapna and this is what just lights me up about speaking with you because it is so lovely to speak to someone else who gets it and I'm sure that you probably relate to this, um, the pain that can happen when you're working with a client who doesn't get it. It can be very, very uh, jarring because, and, you know, it, again, it's about bringing compassion to the parts of them that don't know and don't trust yet. But it's like, you know, there, there's obviously been a whole generation and more of marketing from this you know, problem, agitation, solution. Um, and, and you know, I, I find it really disheartening, you know, when a client or a potential client comes to me and they're like, oh, yeah, okay, so, you know, you know problem, agitation, solution, yep, that's the structure that, that we follow or that I follow. And, you know, oh, you know, see this person's um, landing page, I want it to look like theirs. And, you know, if I see those signs early on, I choose not to work with those people anymore because it, for me, it's, it's like exactly what you've just said, you know, when you are speaking to someone's higher self, when you are actually in the being, like your, your being is in your higher self. Yes. It may be that you don't follow all the tick box rules of the copywriting industry. What um, I have learned from philosophy and psychology again and again and, and actually mainly philosophy is that beauty and truth are two of the highest human ideals and we don't need to be convinced to value them. We don't need to be manipulated to value them. They are intrinsically valuable to humans as part of our very nature. And so I think what people may not realise, and this is why, you know, soul and strategy are both important, but when you are speaking from soul, strategy like strategy is limited, but soul is limitless. And strategy strategy can get you so far, but if you have soul, like it bypasses the strategy because people can feel the truth and the beauty of what's happening. So it doesn't matter if your sentence or your post doesn't tick all the boxes and it doesn't have the little structure and the little headline that we all think we need because humans are inevitably and um, like they, they can't help it they are drawn to truth and beauty and you know there's nothing we can say or do that will will kind of stop them from wanting that and and being inspired by that so it's like you know yes you can learn all the tricks to try and mimic something that's valuable to people or you can actually be it <laughs> and you know, it's courageous. It's a courageous. And that's why obviously brave marketing is the name of your podcast. But it's bloody brave to show up and, and represent truth and share your truth. I think so. I think my only metric when I'm writing content or copy is, am I speaking the truth as I know it in this moment? And if it is, yes, then I just go ahead and do it. I don't have to second guess it. I don't have to edit it a lot um, because that's my my number one metric is to see if I'm speaking the truth to my clients. Um, 
you you beautifully mentioned that it is brave to you know lead from that space of soul uh, and i ask all my guests uh, what's the bravest thing that you have done and it doesn't need to be brave in the traditional sense but it we needs to feel brave to you and you shared that uh, sharing a childhood truth with your family was the bravest thing that you have done recently and uh, the expressing the truth of your story was scary but also necessary i guess for you at that time and i i feel uh, recently i've also started seeing that you have become um i don't want to say more vulnerable but i think you've just started expressing your truth a whole lot more confidently um which is also something that you do for your clients when you're writing empowered copy for them um how do you look at vulnerability when it comes to copy but also when it comes to just being online and because I, we know it's a thin line right between being vulnerable and between being an oversharer and also there is something called vulnerability hangover like we have all experienced it when you really put yourself out there and it just sort of triggers something in you and it can go in a lot of different ways some people completely get paralyzed after sharing a huge truth and for some people it just brings up a lot of anxiety or this flight energy where they just want to pick up fights with anyone who doesn't agree with them or something like that so how do you look at it, all of all of this and what's your personal take on vulnerability in copy and being vulnerable online you're right um because it is it is a thin line and you know the strategy isn't just um yeah just just overshare every detail of your life because that that's not necessarily true either and this is where it comes to um the empowerment piece vulnerability is i think inherently beautiful and inherently creates connection between humans um, I think there is a difference between just saying words <laughs> and and actually genuinely being vulnerable. Now, vulnerable is a funny word because, you know, we have actually two different ways of, of being vulnerable. So one of them is genuinely being vulnerable and that's somebody, you know, who, for example, doesn't have a support system is genuinely dependent. So, for example, someone who is homeless, someone who is a child, you know, someone is who, who is in an, an abusive situation, somebody who is broke and doesn't have any money. And like there, there are genuine, you know, in a, in a war-torn country, there are genuine factors that contribute to vulnerability that are situational. And I think people get confused between that type of vulnerability and the vulnerability that comes from sharing sharing from a place of self-love, sharing from a place of this is a part of myself that I am not going to hide because I think it won't be accepted. I'm sharing from a place of loving myself and honouring myself. I'm not trying to get anything. I'm not trying to get approval or validation or support even. This is, you know, sharing vulnerably is about speaking truth for truth's sake and it's brave because it it means that you are willing to hold yourself no matter what happens. Yeah, and I just maybe want to add a little bit to 
this conversation here because I think it's so important to talk about this um, as creators and as coaches. We are putting so much of ourselves out there. So sometimes it can be hard to really understand how much to put out there. What can I put out there? So the two things I tell my clients are share your scars, not your wounds. So anything that's fresh, that is still sort of, you know, it, it it's going to hurt if somebody pokes into it. Don't share that because you can get yourself triggered again. You can trigger other people as well by sharing things that you haven't actually completely resolved. So don't share those things. And the, uh, the other thing I, uh, I actually saw this online somewhere and I think I'm just co-opting that right now is you don't have to shred your soul every single time you go online. Um, and it can, they can feel a pressure because, you know, it, we, people have started using vulnerability as a strategy as well. So you can feel that pressure of, you know, one upping people and let me also share this truth about my life. But I think you don't need to do that because every single time you speak your truth, especially vulnerable truths, you do share a part of your soul with your audience. And like you said, not everyone deserves to hear this. So be mindful or and curate the spaces where you're sharing it. And also control what you want to share, right? It's all in your control. You can choose what, which parts to share, which parts to keep to yourself right now. Maybe you might be ready for it in, at a later stage. You don't owe the internet your pain. So you don't have to dish it out to everyone that, yeah, I'm being vulnerable. So here is all of it. You can choose what to share at a given point of time. So I absolutely love your approach on this. And I love the empowerment piece of it as well, because if it's coming from a space of needing validation or needing approval from others or fulfilling something that you feel like you did not get, whether it was it's a childhood wound and you feel like the adults in your life did not recognize it. So now let me share it out to the whole world and maybe I will get that recognition now. I think you're in for a lot more emotional pain and re-traumatizing yourself. Um, so I absolutely, completely agree with every single thing that you have said here. Lisa, one of the things I really admire about you and I think I love observing as well is how you have scaled your business to five figure months without any big launches or and it also feels like you're moving to your own rhythm and you're moving to your own desires is how I look at it from the outside so can you give us a little bit of a peek into your thought process when it comes to your business model because one of the things I tell my clients is there is you know anything that you want to do the way you want to do it it will work. So there are millions of people uh, running their businesses and there are millions of business models. You don't have to copy anyone else's. So I love giving them examples of people who are doing it their own way. And maybe you, they figured it out by accident uh, or maybe it's by design, but either way, you're, you're running your business in a very different way from a lot of other people, especially copywriters. So walk us through a little bit of that. I love this question and I feel so seen once again because yeah it's I don't even think about it like that but I love that you have reflected back to me that I I seem to be walking to my own rhythm and doing things differently you know that's I love that thank you thank you so much I I really believe in what you've said as well that you know what the word it's like that that quote you know 
the world needs a lot more alive people. So work out what makes you come alive because that's what the world needs. Don't try to work out what the world needs. Just work out what makes you come alive. I do believe that. And I do believe that when we are happy and loving what we do, you know, our, our life force energy is so much more magnetic and again, we're showing people what's possible through our example. Um, you know, it's a bit of a revolution. We're redefining the way that we work. We're not just working from a place of hardship and struggle, but we're working from a place of joy, um, which is, you know, really is, is, is inspiring. Um, so I just, I love hearing my five-figure months. It's so cute. I think it's important to mention that, you know, not every month is a five-figure month. Um, that can feed into unrealistic expectations for entrepreneurs. You know, sometimes, sometimes it's, it's, you know, it all averages out, you know, that, that's how I see it. Um, and this is why I focus on the long game. I, I focus on kind of, do I have enough to live and do what I want? That's my only metric. That's, you know, that's all I care about. And it's, it's just, yeah, but it's really cool that, you know, um, just even going back to the beginning of our, our talk, you know, I, when I worked out, how I was going to structure my business model, I, I basically went, okay, I want to replace my teaching income. What do I need to charge? How many spots do I need to sell to replace my teaching income? That's it. And that's how I, you know, I just made the decision I was going to replace my teaching income. And then now it's gotten to a place where I'm making more than I ever did as a teacher, um, even in universities. So, you know, I, I feel so at ease and joyful because, you know, I'm already always feeling in surplus um, just because of the potential of what I can make and what I what I make. So I'm also, yeah, very lucky to, I didn't think about it like this, but I don't necessarily have huge launches and I don't, you know, I, I it's it's almost like this, this tap that I feel like I can just turn on when I need it, you know. And that's what I really think, you know, good marketing makes possible. Like you, you just get that sense of like, wow, I could just create wealth and abundance at any time. But I think, you know, practically, I think what it, what it looks like for me is that I've, I've always had a wait list. And so I've always got people waiting on my list. And so it's almost like, yeah, when I have space to work with a new person, all I have to do is reach out to someone on my wait list. So it really opens up that space for organic content. You know, I can just keep sharing what's true and trust that what, you know, people will find and work out what I do. You know, a lot of people respond to the call or respond to, you know, their soul nudges. A lot of people are like, I don't even know. I'm just reaching out because I feel the nudge. And, you know, then they join the wait list and it might be six months or a year or a year and a half later when I go, hey, I've got a spot open so that's one one thing. Um, another one is client retention. You know, I've I've had almost the same nine clients for a year now. Some of them I've had for two years since I started my business. So, you know, I've got a, a, essentially a foundation of of clients that have continued with me. And you know, depending on what's going on in my life, I'll open up more more slots. And yeah, it's only, it's only kind of recently now that I'm moving to my group membership, the content cauldron, and I'm, I'm starting to think about courses that I want to run that I'm actually thinking about more, you know, expanding beyond the wait list and, and maybe even thinking about launches and things like that. But even so, I, I just don't even think about it because I just think 
why should I force everyone to be ready for me now? Like I can just keep doing my thing and then when they're ready, they'll just come and I'll just keep working. Like it's fine, you know. I don't, ha- I don't have this sense of urgency of like, oh, my God, I have to fill all of my courses and all of my programs right now because I am also aware that people have their own journey and they're going through their own transformation and they may not be ready yet. Two things jump out to me from what you've just shared. One is the power of constraint. So basically not creating a million offers and focusing on mastering one offer and doing it really well, right? And the fact that you have a wait list of people that you can literally open up a spot and it will get snapped up like that. I, I think that just shows how how incredible it is to be able to master delivering one kind of offer and not and and I know there are, you know, again, every every business can have its own business model. So there are people who do really well with lots of low cost offers or lots of offers going at the same time. Um, But if that's not for you, there is also this way where you can just focus on delivering one thing and getting really, really good at that before you can, you know, decide to add another income stream or a course or anything like that. And the second thing is that the, the thing that I said, like you move on your own rhythm, you're not falling prey to the, sometimes the really loud noises in this industry, which is like charge your worth, or, you know, you have to, like, once you're booked out, you have to start a group program, or you have to do this, like you have to start bottling your knowledge into a course. And I know those things are coming for you. But you've taken your own time, like you've not fallen into any pressure doing those things. And you've just kept doing what energizes you. And even the fact that, you know, you're working with the same nine clients um, says a lot about this missing piece that a lot of people are not really taking a look at, which is delivering services to your clients and creating a beautiful experience for them so that they keep coming back. And one of the things I'm noticing in this industry is that people are spending a whole lot more time on marketing than on actually coaching or working with their clients, which I don't think is a great trend. And, you know, if it, it just means that people are getting better and better at marketing their services than becoming a better service provider or better coach, which I don't think is going to serve this industry in the long run. So I really love your approach where you're focusing on actually being there for your clients and really showing up for them and the work that they are doing and becoming a conduit of that for them. And meanwhile, also creating this really beautiful income for yourself and not, again, like not falling prey to like, you have to get to six figure months. And, you know, I think that will happen organically for you. I, I really see that for you, but I, I I love that you're not really running that race. So all of this is, I think, so much to take away from this for anyone who wants to create a business that feels nourishing to their soul, but also nourishes their bank account at the same time. So Lisa, what's next for you? Um, You mentioned the membership, and I know that there is a spiritual copywriting course that you're creating for copywriters. Um, Are those the two things that you're focusing on for now or is there something else that's coming up? Look, they are the main things. I'm very excited about them. They feel very easy and natural. I'm getting, you know, 
more and more excited about yeah sharing different aspects of myself like you said you know the teacher the the different parts of me the coach I thought yeah people used to say that to me why don't you just coach everyone why don't you do that I was like no I just want to write I can see the joy that it brings me to teach this stuff now that I feel quite uh, confident in it and I've had a few iterations over a couple of years so I think it's yeah it's these things it feels it feels like the natural next step to help not just copywriters but people who are curious about what copywriting could be like for them as a career um and you know interestingly like what I also see for myself maybe not this year but maybe next year is is actually bringing back the the speed dating stuff and maybe going a bit deeper into not just sharing, you know, skills to to the marketing industry, but also I do think connections a big part of my mission and maybe bringing some of that back in as well. So exciting. Lisa, thank you so much for doing this. I feel like we could go on for a few more hours easily. <laughs> we have so much to talk about, um, but we have to, I think, stop here so that people can get what they need from this episode because there is so much gold that you have shared with us today. And thank you so much for that. We are going to share all of the links of your socials in the show notes. But if there's one place where you would want people to connect with you, what's that for you? I would say probably Instagram. Yeah, Sacred mm. Media Instagram handle. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. So we, we have all of those links in the show notes. Um, do follow her do soak in all of her goodness and when I asked her what's one weird fact about her she said it's that fries are her weakness and I don't think that's weird at all because why wouldn't you want to have fries <laughs> or everything like I love fries uh, any day over exercise fries are my choice so she's a fun and and I know, know we talked a lot about some spiritual things and soul-based things, but she's also a whole lot of fun, guys. So definitely follow her and uh, get to know more and more about her. Thank you, Lisa. It was a pleasure talking to you. That's the episode for today. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I am thrilled to have you as part of the Brave Marketing community. Because this podcast is still brand new, it would mean so much to me if you could leave a five-star review as that will make it easy for other brave hearts to find this podcast and grow our community of rule breakers. Until next time, have a brave week ahead.